Genesis 16. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarai. Then Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband to be his wife, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan. And to Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. Then Sarai said to Abram, My wrong be upon you. I gave my maid into your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. The Lord's judge between you and me. So Abram said to Sarai, Indeed your maid is in your hand. Do to her as you please. And when Sarai dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. Now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarai's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I'm fleeing from the presence of my mistress Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly, so that they shall not be counted for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are with child, and you shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael. Because, of, because the Lord has heard your affliction, he shall be a wild man. His hand shall be against every man, and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. Then she came to the name of the Lord. Then she called the name of the Lord, who spoke to her, You are the God who sees. For she said, I have also here seen him who sees me. Therefore the well was called Bir Lahoi Roy. Observe, it is between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram named his son, whom Hagar bore Ishmael. Abram was eighty-six years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. Phew, eighty-six years old. How's that for <laughs> having children in old age? So here we have uh, a simple story of men and women putting their plans before God's plans, and they're they're no they're not waiting on the Lord to fulfill His promises. They're they're scheming on how to make those promises happen by their own power, mm. and and we see just the. The, the craftiness, the conniving of, of Sarai and, and Abram, Abram going along with her uh, in this passage. And it's so interesting to see. So we'll start back from the beginning. So again, uh, Abram, 75, 76 years old. He has no children. Sarai is 10 years younger than him. No children. Um, and so they come up with a plan. Uh, God had told Abram that through Abram's body would come a child. And so Abram, of course, told his wife this, and so she starts thinking, well, he didn't say anything about me, your your actual wife. How can we make this happen? Let's get this show on the road. Let's be a great nation. Let's go take over uh, the land or whatever it is. I want my descendants. I want my, my grandchildren or, or whatever it may be going through her head. And so they come up with a plan that says, hey, I know I've got a a servant. I've got this Egyptian servant that was probably given to her back when they went through through Egypt during the the famine. Um, she's my handmaid. She's, she's close to me. It, I'll just give her to you, and it'll be like me having a baby. Um, culturally, this this 
this is a thing. Um, there, we'll see later on in the Bible, they'll be called concubines or called uh, second wives. Um, not the first wife, uh, they're second wives. All concubines are these mistresses that that uh, kings will have, and they're not the priority, but they're just other, other wives. Uh, now, a careful reading of this will tell you that God didn't say to do that. God didn't ask say that, hey, this would be a good idea. Oh, Sarah, Sarai, you should give. God's not here. God's not present in this first half of the story. This is man saying, I know how to get God's promises. I know what I want to do. And as, as they do that, they start to sin because they're not waiting on the Lord. They they start to just do things by their own devices, separate from waiting on the Lord, separate from from just being patient on on God, who who walks in a time that we we don't understand, and and they're learning how to walk. We see this imperfect faith. They say, "Oh, I see the promises. Well, how are we going to make those promises happen?" And that's that's not how we need to walk. And we see um, her coming up with this idea, and then Abraham goes along with it. And there's this this kind of uh, uh, this mirror of the Adam and Eve story where Eve says, hey, I'm going to try this apple. Not that that's, she was tempted by the snake to try this apple. And then, and then Adam says, oh yeah, I'll, I'll try it too. You've eaten it, I'll eat it. So we, we see the, the woman leading in a way that seems right to her and, and, and the guy just kind of following along without like standing his ground saying, no, 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 no this is wrong. God has said this. I, we shouldn't walk in this way. We, we just see the husband going right along with it. So, be careful. Uh, just follow other people's suggestions. They're not always from the Lord. We we should definitely take anything that comes our way to the Lord mm-hmm. and and test it and see is this is this really what God's calling us to do? Um, ten years in the land. He went to Hagar and she conceived. So here's this interesting word conceived. Um, it doesn't actually mean that she had a baby, but that she was pregnant. And so the, a lot of the the Israelite mindset about when uh, babies are born is actually upon conception, upon the act of um, it, not upon the actual birth, because life starts in the womb. It does. It's it's very clearly in the Bible, and it's it's how we need to understand uh, eventually abortion when that that subject will come up in your own life. Like they they recognize that life starts in the womb, and they must have known this. Because she missed uh, her her monthly cycle, so we're at least one month after um, Abram knowing Hagar. <laughs> um, so then Sarai gets jealous, and she starts blaming other people. She starts pointing fingers again, kind of like the the Adam and Eve story that you're you you sinned, you did this thing, and and the turning of blame to other people. And how much sin that we're going to create when we start to try to do things separate from the Lord. When we try to do things apart from the Lord. We, we look for people to blame because there will be consequences to our sin. There will be uh, things that we don't get to control. We get to control the sin. We get to make the sin. We get to walk in the sin. But we don't control the, the consequences of that sin. And and so what we tend to do is we point fingers and place blame. And, and that's 
all creating more and more sin because she deals harshly with her handmaiden Hagar who's who's not to blame she was doing what she was told uh, the mindset of the ancient people was she's property she's owned by Sarai because she's a slave she's a servant and so she does whatever the owner and master says and so she goes and does this thing because she's told to go do this thing and it makes when she starts when it's known that she's conceived that it makes Sarai jealous and mm -hmm. and we find out who really uh, from our our human minds who's really to blame for not having children because without with Abram and Sarai not having children it could be Abram's fault it could be Sarai's fault we, we don't know but here very quickly we find out that it's Sarai that's barren for right now so it makes Sarai very upset because she doesn't have a pack of grandchildren already. Can I have a question? Hi. Hi. In Japanese translation, uh, it's Sarai is uh, looking down on, uh, I don't know. Hagar. Hagar. Hagar looking down on Sarah because of that she can't board a child. Yeah, it's the same is way. It? And, is the same. Yeah. But it said that uh, well, if it be, that she had conceived, her mistress became despised. Yeah, in the, her the mistress. So it's the same way. Yeah. Her mistress Hagar became despised in her. It's so it's different. Japanese translation uh Hagar looked down on Sarai, no, but the, in English it's the opposite. Well, who's the mistress? Not the English. Her mistress is. Her mistress yeah. is who? Is it Sarai? Yes. Yeah. Sarai? Because you wouldn't say that my slave is my mistress. I see. So it's a Sarai became despised yeah. in her eyes. Yes. So Hagar's eye. Hagar her. despised Hagar. her mistress. I see. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. And because of that um, dispute, it turns and Sarai gets upset with Hagar. Yeah, and it says uh, in this study Bible here that she realized she's doing something that her um, um, her mistress couldn't do, I and so she felt superior to her mm -hmm. because she's giving her master something that her mistress couldn't. So she's again feel like higher than pride, Sarah. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. So there's that. That jealousy that goes both ways because Hagar's now the the, the a wife with child because that's that's kind of what's implied by giving her as a concubine, that giving her as this you you take care of, you your responsibility is to have the children. And we see that humans are get puffed up very easily and start to to sin and start to be jealous of each other and start to get prideful and. And how much that that's not okay, and and the response that we have is not okay here in the Bible. But we should have um, more love, more grace, more forgiveness, as we'll learn through Jesus. Hold on a second. You. Um, and so, sorry, blames. Um, Abram says, it's your handmaid, you do whatever you want with her. 
not necessarily the, the best response. And Sarai dealt harshly with Hagar. Hagar fled from the presence. So we just see just bickering and fighting and and just no one no one cares. No one's putting forth the effort to to love other people. And so Hagar flees. And it says that she makes it as far as that well between um what was it? Beer the between Kadesh and Bered. So I, I went and looked and it's like fifty kilometers away from uh, the Oaks of Mamre, Hebron, where, where he's dwelling. So she's traveled an entire day if she left in the morning, you know, if she wanted to sneak away or if she left at night. I, I don't know, but she's traveled a day or two by herself, running away back to, back to Egypt because she's fleeing south back toward her own people. And there, there's this interesting that happens. There's Here's the first instance that we hear of someone called the angel of the Lord found her by the spring. Mm-hmm. And the angel of the Lord is used in a couple different ways in the Old Testament. This first way I'm going to point out um, is, um, is probably the way that I read the, and understand the text is a Christophany. This is Jesus in the Old Testament. And I, I'll give you a few reasons why. Um, so the angel of the Lord, angel, there's really the word messenger. So this could be the messenger of the Lord is another translation. Yes. But so this angel speaks mm-hmm. in a way that makes him seem like he's Yahweh, the God, the father of the Old Testament, because he says, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly. We're in a verse 10. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly so that they shall not be counted for the multitude. So this is this is not a angel phrase. We don't see angels multiplying people. We don't see angels making nations. We see God doing this thing. So if if this is God speaking on earth, we we I tend to attribute it to a Christophany, a, a pre-Jesus um, manifestation of Him, of of Jesus. So I I believe this is um, definitely Jesus in the Old Testament. Um, because of the way he speaks, and he's telling her he's telling her future stuff about Ishmael, um, but but that that phrase "I will multiply your descendants" makes me think that this is a Old Testament Jesus sighting, and we'll see that a couple times. Uh, he'll he'll say, "I'll do these things," and Yahweh will do these things, and I will do these things, or some other ways that he's going to talk later on as the angel of the Lord, and so this is. This is how I understand this passage. If you don't think so, if you think this is just an angel that's speaking on behalf of God, you can believe that. I think it's a stretch because the angel's making it seem like it's him. And I have a problem with that, but um, I think it's a Lord, a Jesus sighting. Uh, he asks the question, going back, uh, who? Where have you come from? Where are you going? He asks these questions not because he doesn't know, but he asks the questions to always elicit a response that that he wants her to think about, like, what's going on? Where are you going and, and where are you coming from? And so she has to answer him. She has to think about it and, and respond to him. I'm fleeing from the presence of my mistress. She doesn't really, she's just, I'm fleeing. I'm going away. That's all, all I have. That's where I'm going. I'm fleeing. And he says, return to your mistress. Even though she's been, the way she's been acting, she, Jesus is asking 
her to go back to that situation, which is not an easy situation. And he gives her a promise that if you go back, I'll, I'll multiply your your descendants. And the angel of the Lord said to her that you you are with child, you'll bear a son. He's talking about future stuff that hadn't happened yet, and you'll call him Ishmael. And he'll be a wild man. Uh, he shall be against every man and every man's hand against him. And in the modern English, in my modern American brain, he'll have a chip on his shoulder and he'll he'll walk with his hand on the trigger. Like he's 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 ready to go off. He's he's ready for a fight is, is kind of how I understand this. That uh, he's just this is just the kind of man he's gonna be. It's interesting here in verse thirteen that this is the one of the only times I can think of that someone gives God a name. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees. She gives him a name. She says, I, she's an Egyptian. So if you, you think about it, she probably believes in Ra and Tet and all those other Egyptian gods. And she probably has a, a polytheistic thought. And then suddenly this God shows up that, that Abraham's been, Abram's been talking about. Because no one else has really been around for the encounters with the Lord. Abram's been kind of by himself in the tent, go look up at the stars, you know, go cut these animals in half, and, and the rest of the household, the slaves, the servants, probably hear about him talking to this other God, but here, God's come down and is talking to her. And so I, I, I can just imagine this, this shift in like, oh, you're the one that's that Abram's been talking to. And so she gives him this, this, this interesting name because she feels alone, she feels deserted, she feels cast out, and she says, oh, you are... The God who sees. And that's pretty cool. Because he does see. He does respond to us when we pray. He, he, he chases after us. That's pretty cool. And they named the well. And she bore Abram a son. And Abram named a son whom Agar, Hagar bore Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. Now... The son that he would eventually have, that would be the son of the promises, still 13, 14 years away. It's, God's timing is so strange. It's, it doesn't make any sense to us, but he's still faithful. Now, we see, going back into the passage, we see Jesus coming down, God coming down to, to talk to this, this woman that's been in so much sin, that's fleeing a hard situation that has been produced because of all these people's sin. Uh, Sarai said, oh, why don't you sleep with her? <laughs> Abram says, sure, I'll sleep with her, whatever. And so there's all this sin, and that produces this really bad situation, but we see that God can work in our our sinful situations, that God can redeem those situations for good, and that he's still there and going to work with us because we come up with the dumbest ideas. And he can still f take those dumb ideas, he can still take those those situations that are, are I mean, are bad. We get, we have divorces. We've got uh, children growing up without parents. We've got people addicted to drugs or alcohol or domestic abuse. There's all these terrible situations in the world that we have these days that that we produce. That we are like we walk in sin so easily, so readily, and and God doesn't go, oh, you've done too much. That's awful. <laughs> That's terrible. You guys are in your sin. You sit in it. Enjoy. He said he comes to us and says, hey, 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 hey. I know you've done all these bad things. I know that you've messed up. It's okay. Come to me and and I'll give you the, the springs of living water and we'll, I'll clean you. You don't have to get clean before you come to me. 
I'm going to clean you up the way that you need to because anything that I can do to make my life look better is just on the outside. And, and God wants us to be clean on the inside first. And it flows out of us to the outside. Now, I want to uh, look. We said this last year, but I want to turn up to Galatians 4. We're going to look at the, the two covenants now that we've been introduced to Ishmael. And I want you to understand it the way that Paul's understanding the birth of Ishmael. He's going to give an allegory. So it's in um, Galatians 4, starting in verse 21. Galatians 4. Verse 21. And again, he's changed. They, they have their, their new names, which is uh, Abram. A Abraham. Not Abram. We'll get to that actually next week. Right, I'm going to read 21. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? Talking about the Moses' law. For it is written that Abram had two sons, the one by the bondwoman, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, and he of the free woman through promise, which things are symbolic. For these are the two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, which gives birth to bondage, which is Hagar. And for this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. It corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, which is of the mother of us all. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren, you who do not bear, break forth and shout, you who are not in labor. For the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are children of promise, not as he who was born according to the flesh, then, then persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit. Even so it is now. Nevertheless, what does the scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. Now, we're not all the way through this original story, so there's a couple extra things in there. But this section, this passage is talking about, do you want to be in bondage to the law? Do you want to come to God and relate to him through the 613 commandments? Do you want to come to him through... Uh, religious uh, activities, or do you want to come to him through the promise, which is through believing with faith? And we we have these two contrasts where where Sarai and Abram and Hagar are trying to make the child of the promise by their own will, by their own uh, conniving to to make this thing happen, and it's by their will, their power that they're trying to do this. And this is not the way that God wants us to to walk in this world. And it's not how we need to obtain the promise by working for our salvation, by working for our forgiveness. That's that's the bondage. That's the way of the world. Instead, what we'll see eventually is that Isaac, he's the child of promise that God's been talking about for the last, uh, he's 86, so 11 years with Abraham. And he won't get that child of promise for another 13 or 14 years until he's 99, 100. And so... We need to rest in what the Lord has said, that we are children of promise, which is we don't need to relate to God through all these works and through all these laws and through all these these actions. We, we just believe what he says by faith. And yeah, though he hasn't um, 
told us specifically you need to go do these things. He has specifically told us everything that's in this book. Like this is this is what we're responsible for until he says, "Hey, you need to go here. You need to talk to that person. You need to do this." Until God gives you more clear def- definition of what He's created you for, you follow what what the Lord has said and and how to walk in the Spirit with the Spirit with Him. And we get that Spirit through belief. And like the song was this morning that. He took all the blame, all the sin, all the dumb stuff that we're going to do, all the stuff that we we will for in our life that causes so much pain and suffering and agony in the world. And he says, I, I'll, I'll take responsibility for that. You stop walking in that way and walk according to the way that I say, which is, which is by the Spirit. We don't walk by sin. We don't have the freedom that the freedom that we've been given is not to walk by sin, but the freedom's been given so that we don't have to walk in sin we don't have to walk in the way of the lord and we can now walk according to the spirit which is through love through that that sacrificial love that we show other people even when it hurts to to show that love we love other people and, and mercy and forgiveness that we just give to other people even though they don't they haven't earned it they don't deserve it but neither have we from god the father so god's called us to walk in a very different way than through conniving trying to get our way and trying to get get our promises and our inheritance early we we need to be patient and wait on the lord to take care of us and that's a hard thing to do because we want things now we're in a very now culture i can order something on amazon it'll be here maybe tonight but for sure tomorrow we live in a very now culture and that's not how god walks sometimes we have to learn a lot of stuff before he'll come to us just like hagar in the wilderness he could have stopped a hagar in the wilderness one kilometer away or two kilometers away but but he waited until she was about a day away before he goes to her and and maybe that's her mind that that need to be worked on out in the wilderness and just like Jonah in the in the whale for three days sometimes we just don't understand the process of waiting but we need to wait on the lord and not go power through and do things on our own by our own strength because that causes sin that causes us to hurt other people and puts us in a mess that that we have we, we, we have to take to the Lord to clean up if we're we're honest, if we're humble enough to. So, Lord, thank you for this day you've given us. Thank you for this time that we've gotten to dig into your word and, and see who you are and how you move, Lord God. I pray that you could help us to wait on you this, this week to allow you to work and not to rush whatever you're doing in our lives, Lord God. Give us patience, Lord God. That's one of those things that we need is patience, like you've got patience. and long-suffering to bear with us while we're sinning, while we're doing things that we shouldn't do. Lord God, I pray you can help us to, to see the way that you see, to give forgiveness, to give mercy, to give love, Lord, and that you're an amazing, amazing God that works with sinners like us, like Sarai and Abram and Hagar, Lord. We praise you for that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.